Welcome to Life Talk, a series of thought-provoking podcasts specifically developed to thoroughly enrapture, dynamically expand, and potentially enrich your life by challenging your heart. And now, here's Craig. You know, we all worship something. And so we might ask, what are the things that we bow down to? Yeah, we all worship something. For the strong and stalwart types among us, we probably find that statement a bit pathetic or at least somewhat unsavory at best. And for the more passive among us, that statement might make us feel more subservient, possibly more used than we already feel. For everyone else that's somewhere in the middle, it might resonate as slightly antiquated with a dusty touch of religious sentimentality. Well, regardless of where we fall or who we are, the concept of worship can cut against the grain and be seen as an action that undercuts our independence. Worse yet, the whole idea or act of worship might usurp our independence altogether, which for many of us is a rather frightening proposition. You know, often we conceptualize worship as being something that demands our obedience and allegiance To many, worship suggests subservience and a kind of scripted groveling where we're irreparably stooped and bent in penance or slavery to something. To others, it's an action that they sense is owed to something in their lives, or it can be an action that draws one close to an object of worship. Whatever the case, we all worship something. Dorothy Thompson said that, The instinct to worship is hardly less strong than the instinct to eat. It's a pretty powerful statement. There's something woven and intricately threaded within us that demands that we worship. Benjamin Disraeli framed it nicely when he said that man is made to adore and to obey. But if you will not command him, if you give him nothing to worship, he will fashion his own divinities and find a chieftain in his own passions. You know, there's something core within us that needs something core above us. So it seems that we're always about the process of creating something that can be that core thing. In reality, we've become quite adept at it. In creating, we might ask ourselves, are we creating just to create, or are we creating something to worship? How much of our energies, our efforts, and our creativity are directed toward the creation of something that's much more than simply something that we came up with and is actually more about something that we can look up to? And all the scurrying about that we do in life and all the assorted investments that we make and all the tedium that we're all about, are we in reality creating something that's big enough and sufficient enough to appear worthy of our worship? Well, you know, worship implies a throne. Worship suggests that something has to be elevated above everything else. There's something within our lives that holds that key and sacred place, the thing that we have set on the throne of our lives. The whole concept of a throne suggests that each life has a place of primacy, a central location or point which everything else draws from and around which everything else is centered. Most of us don't think about the concept of a throne likely because such a notion is the stuff of antiquity, some object that we would associate with pomp and circumstance. That imagery really doesn't fit in our conceptualization of our lives as we live them out in the 21st century. A throne is just too eccentric and off. 
Yet in thinking about worship, it seems unpardonably imperative to embrace the understanding that we each have a central place in our lives that is second to none. There is that place that we carefully guard, that hill that we're willing to die on, that part of ourselves that's unquestionably non-negotiable, and that thing that we feel we simply couldn't live without. There are those places where no one's allowed and no one can touch. We have that inner sanctum, that holy of holies that's reverenced and revered. Now, we may not think of those places quite that way, but they're there. And these are our thrones. Well, it would seem to follow that if we've got a throne, and we do, that something's probably on it. Therein lays the great question for each of us. What do we put on the throne? It seems that while we have a throne, we are privileged to put on it whatever we want. Things can demand that we put them on the throne, whether that be people, or dreams, or relationships, or careers, or material objects, or religious beliefs, or the desire for status in whatever arena we desire status in. Petitions for the throne of our lives can come from painful events, disheartening failures, any of our many wounds, or a wide array of emotional issues. Things such as denial, hatred, bitterness, and revenge can all jockey for a place on the throne. Then there are all kinds of addictions or other destructive behaviors that will want to sit firmly on the throne so they can exist unimpeded and unquestioned. But more often than not, we put ourselves on the throne, or at least that's what we think we put on the throne. We want to reign supreme in the kingdom that we call us. We reign with an iron scepter and we bow to no one. Bryant McGill said that self-made men often worship their creator. Well, that's quite frightening. Yet the throne of our lives is such a massive and sometimes overwhelming place that we're fooled as to who's actually on it. It's really not us that's on it, but things that we've put on it that we think are us. Often we're deluded into believing that we're reigning when we're subservient to what we've put there. Because we put things on the throne, we assume that we control them. Yet, what we put in power, what we elevate to that position, will turn and control us. Likely one of the greatest deceptions is to firmly believe that we're on the throne when we're not. And so what should we put on the throne? Look, the throne of our lives is a powerful place. It would make crystal clear sense then to carefully determine what we put on the throne. Often we're not wise enough to know exactly what that should be. Our frequent short-sightedness and hedonism are hardly suitable lenses through which to make such a massive choice. It's entirely feasible that anything that we put on the throne will in time turn on us, usurp us, use us, or possibly destroy us. It's downright possible that anything that we put on the throne will turn to our ill. Maybe it's more about allowing something on the throne, something that does not demand that place, but requests it. Maybe something that's inherently seeking our good over its own. Could there be something that's designed us purely for itself and us purely for it? Something that is the only natural and good fit for the throne of our lives. Is the throne of our lives custom made for something or someone like this?
Anything else on the throne will surely lead to a life that embraces the agenda of whatever it is that's on the throne. Only one thing, only one person, only one being sits on the throne for our behalf. And so you might ask the question, who's on the throne? Thank you for joining us for Life Talk. For further information or additional resources, please visit www.craiglpc.com.